purpose of Deep Talk is to invite people from the industry who are really doing illustrious things. And uh, I'm delighted to have with us today Arif Khan, um, who holds perhaps one of the most influential positions in what is probably the most interesting company in the fintech space, uh, that is the National Payments Corporation of India. So welcome, Arif, and thank you for accepting our uh, invitation to do this. Thanks, thanks, Chantan, and thank you for having me. Sure. The way we'll do this uh, from a housekeeping perspective is uh, we have all of about one hour together. We'll spend 40 minutes in which I will ask moderated questions um, to Arif. Uh, and my name is Shantanu Paul, so I'm co-founder and CEO of Talisprint. And in the 40 minutes, I'll cover hopefully a lot of ground with you uh, regarding what's happening in the whole fintech space and PCI and the impact of deep tech in this space. And uh, then we'll have a 20 minutes or so left for questions from the audience. Uh, we will have calls from Zoom and we'll have chat questions coming over YouTube live. So, so that should be the format uh, for your benefit and the benefit of the audience. I thought I'll clarify that as we start. So let's get started, uh, Arif. Um, you know, I think it's interesting to me always that uh, NPCI or National Payments Corporation of India, where you are the CDO, I think people don't realize how close this company is to their own lives because I think most people in the session and elsewhere are using NPCI products every day, but may not realize that they're using it. So tell us more about NPCI and tell the audience about why this company is so important. So, you know, I keep going back and uh, telling this at home, you know, it's NPCI something that probably you feel it, but uh, you never see it. And that's the role that we play as a railroad in the uh, country. Uh, just to give an example, right? Every time you go to an ATM and withdraw cash in India, essentially it's running through our system. We run something called NFS, which is the railroad for ATM network for the country, right? But all banks participating. Uh, that's just one example. Uh, I guess a lot of the audience would be using things like Google Pay. They would be using Amazon Pay. They would be using Phone Pay. In fact, most of the pays in the country they actually run on the railroad which we have called UPI, being UPI. So whenever you're doing a person-to-person -person transfer or you're scanning a QR code or you're making what is called a collect payment, it's running on that. Not only that, uh, if you're issuing checks, uh, you know, the checks, there's, there's a system called CTL behind it, which is again what uh, NPCI runs. Uh, on your cars, and especially if you've bought your cars in recent time, there is something called as a RFID, it's a fast tag sticker. So you pass the toll gate without stopping. So that's technology again is run by us, it's called NPC. So again, NPCI, just to give a background is, you know, it's a very unique uh, combination that we have in the country. It's owned by banks. We have 56 banks who actually are the parent owners of the organization. We are a non-for-profit company. So essentially, uh, you know, it's not that we, we, we don't return profits back to the uh, organizations that have invested into us. And also this is a very, you know, when people in India talk very often that, you know, banks are not very forward looking and they do not make enough in, uh, investments and innovations and fintech. I think we are a perfect example, right? Of a bank investing in, and not expecting a return. And hopefully now with whatever we are doing in digital, uh, they are getting enough return. So that's a bit about uh, NPCI. Uh, as we speak, uh, we work with more than 1,100 banks in the country. And uh, as it, uh, we are owned by 56 uh, banks, and let's see how the stakeholders go from there. Perfect. So as Chief Digital Officer of NPCI, CDO, um, uh, help people understand what does a CDO really do? What does your day job look like? And then how stressful is it? How interesting is it? So, <laughs> So, you know, the, yeah, I mean, this is something that even I go back home and wonder as to what do I do as a CDO. Uh, so, you know, I keep coming up with answers for myself. But yeah, I mean, uh, one of my key jobs uh, is to do the transformation within the organization, right? Uh, by transform, I mean, uh, what we have done at NPCI, given what we were doing and where we want to get, we've uh, aligned the organization to what we call run, grow, and transform. So I play a larger role in the grow side of it. What it means by grow is we have some existing products and we want to build on top of that some new capabilities and use cases. So that's grow. Or we want to change the technology stack over there, make it more open and so on and so on. Scalability and all those kind of things. And the other side is to transform. Transform largely has got to do with more innovation as to how we could reach different segments, how we could make different payment or product flows and so on and so forth. Uh, having said that, I focus mostly on technology and uh, new innovation products and also run the international business for NPCI because that's one of the, you know, with more and more Indians spreading across the world and more and more Indians uh, aspiring to travel and have holidays and honeymoons, you know, wherever they go, they take payments along with them. So that's the, I try and figure out, you know, in a way I follow honeymooners and figure out what they would do in a destination or a location and figure out whether we could be part of the payment flows. Excellent. That's a great way to uh, motivate the example. Um, so the whole purpose of today's talk was to talk about one billion transactions. And I emphasize the word billion, which is a B and not an M. I remember December 2016, right after demonetization, uh, you'll remember um, the first time UPI came out. 
I think we did 1 million transactions in a month of December 2016. From that to today, I'm told that September 2019, uh, 2019 is a very interesting month because this month, NPCI is supposedly going to cross from you know, into 1 billion transactions yeah, in the month so. itself. Yeah. And I'm told that in the future, it's going to get to 1 billion a day. So that kind of framed the whole conversation of 1 billion transactions. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the killer products that NPCI is building. I mean, UPI is obviously one of them. So tell us about this UPI journey and why has it taken the country by storm? Sure. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, just talking about the UPI numbers that you mentioned. Incidentally, uh, at that point in time, I was not with NPCI. I was on the other side. I was one of the uh, users or I was working with a startup which was using NPCI railroads and creating their products at that point in time. But yes, the UPI journey has been uh, quite uh, phenomenal. Uh, and, uh, and what has happened is... Uh, now, as we speak, and this month we will be close to a billion transactions. The uh, if you look, go back a few years, around three or four years back, we already had a great product which was being you know millions of transactions already in the form of IMPS. Uh, but what we realized with IMPS, IMPS was essentially a credit transaction. You could push money; it was used for remittances doing well. But what we realized is that what we need, if you really want to charge the Indian payment ecosystem, we needed a product which could do both push, pull, debit, credit. And again, it, it, it needed to be a product which was native mobile internet to India and not something that we copy, uh, copy paste from uh, overseas, right? And that's where uh, UPI came into its form the way it is today, uh, completely open. It allows for banks to operate on both sides. It's actually the only true co-party model that exists across the globe, right? So if you look at it by design, it allows the banks to be there where the security and trust comes into play. It's regulated by RBI, the regulator. And it also allows for a lot of startup and fintech players to play on the edge. So if you look at Google Pay, again, phone pay, and a lot of startup aggregators, PSP who come into play. What that has done is it's gone beyond the conventional bank reach, right? The bank has an X distribution point, right? But what this has done is this enabled them to go to the larger audiences of the deeper India and the different segments of India and create some very classy experiences for consumers and consumers have adopted it. So I think that's the killer and the four-party model and the layering that we have done in uh, UPI, keeping it very open and along the in, aligned innovation has helped people create a different uh, use cases, right? So for example, uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, like for my son, many, whenever he goes to a store down, uh, what, earlier I had to either hand him cash or card. Uh, now he could just go, he could shop whatever he does. And he just simply gives my uh, VPA, uh, you know, ID over there. And I get a collect request which says, hey, you know, there's a thousand rupee request or 500 rupee request. Would you want to authorize it? I believe I have more control with it. But in a nutshell, UPI has opened up. You know, the open rail has allowed people to innovate. And I think that's the you know catalyst in growing to a billion transactions. The ultimate use case, you know, kids collecting money from parents. That's an, and then formally using VPA virtual <laughs> payment addresses. It's a great use case for UPI. True. So there are you know, so there are multiple that we've opened up, right? Uh, just getting a little more into it. So if recently, if you've been calling SEBI, IPO as well, right? Typically, IPO as well was a very cumbersome process, right? I mean, your money gets blocked, it gets released after a lot of time, there's a whole lot of recon. And that's why SEBI is, uh, you know, kind of uh, almost mandated a UPI to be the payment de facto over there. Mm -hmm. And it's really helping them. Yeah. It's also helping the consumers. You know, an example that I keep uh, giving, right, uh, at the end of the day, for example, if I book a mutual, I say I'm buying a mutual fund today, right? And uh, say at 2 o'clock, typically, is the NAV cutoff of a mutual fund. And I do a transaction, say, at 2.30. My account is debited today, but I get the polio credit the next day. So my question that I keep asking is, hey, why am I losing today's interest? Yeah, the float goes to somebody else. Absolutely. So why can't you just lock my money and get the money out tomorrow? Or take the money when the transaction And you're assured you're guaranteed about that money, right? And my account has been locked for that. So UPI has opened up a lot of use cases. We believe we will do more with what we have as an offering as invoice in the box now. Uh, hopefully, sooner than later, we'll have SI and recurring payments also on that. I mean, that's uh, you know that's something which is the regulator is considering and discussing. But it will open up so many more. Uh, I think UPI is a massive universe that's opening up as we speak. So, in the overall context of NPCI, let's talk about a couple of other products because I think while UPI is the poster child of what has made NPCI the face of uh, digital payments in India, I also think there are some amazing experiments happening—not experiments, but real massive scale operations happening around. You know, a rupee is a different kind of a use case because we are kind of coming in from behind, trying to build a Swadeshi card to compete with the master and visa schemes. Uh, and by all indication, it's really something that is turbocharging itself as a speak. So talk about the role of rupee and how that's important uh, as a debit product. Sure. 
So, okay, you know, yeah. typically cards has been, uh, it's never been for the masses in India, at least it's not been looked. It's always been an aspirational product, whether it's credit card, even debit card for the matter of fact, right? I mean, the clear example is that before that, uh, before NPCI stepped into the scene, there were other networks. And uh, at best, there were 35, 40, 45 banks uh, who were issuing cards. One thing that the NPCI Rupee has done is now you have many, 10 times more banks issuing cards, right? I mean, the entire Jandan Yojana, when our prime minister announced, uh, you know, every family having a bank account, they were backed by a rupee card. So clearly, uh, rupee, are in, uh, obviously, right now, it's a very debit-heavy scheme. So we have huge uh, 600 million plus uh, debit cards already out in the market. But clearly, we have a credit program that is running. We've done uh, a few million cards over there, seeing some good results on credit as well as prepaid. So we'll expand it. Uh, but what rupee has done is enabled an average Indian to actually carry a plastic in his uh, wallet, right? Yes, uh, the activation rate probably is not yet reached the level that we wanted to do. But the way I look at it, it's like an asset, right? It's like your comp. And I've, I am, imagine me, I've already got one piece of software sitting over there, waiting for one day to, you know, get up and start. Into that. I mean, so as India becomes more and more digital, I think rupee will only gain strength yeah. with the 600 billion. So that's one side of the story. Uh, what we also realize is that, you know, a lot, I mean, look at these corridors that India has, right? Like with Singapore, we are a favored nation. Uh, with countries like Bhutan, which are our neighbors, uh, with uh, Middle East, UAE. What we realized is that, A, there are a lot of people of Indian origin in those uh, countries. There's a lot of travel and tourism both sides. And there is a bunch of 8, 10, 12 countries that we have identified. And we say, hey, look, where, how can we lay the uh, railroad over here, right? So where we are working with these countries and the NPCI equivalent or the uh, network equivalent over there and doing these partnerships, where Indian consumers, when they go there, they can actually use the card in those points, right? Not only ATM, but also in merchant locations. For example, if you're an Indian, you go to Singapore, uh, most Indians would like to go to Mustafa, would like to go to Duty Free. Can we enable this card? Yeah. So one side, what we have done on the international is we have tied up with schemes, international schemes like Discover, Diamonds, and uh, JCB. And we have quite a few banks already issuing these uh, co-brand cards. In fact, uh, China Union Pay in India runs on a wave road. On the other side, what we are saying is that, look, hey, these are cards which, you know, are for a certain segment issued by certain banks. What about the larger domestic cards that we have? How can we open them up? So by doing these bilateral tires, we are enabling these cards also to go. And you need to look at it from two sides, right? One is the card getting spent over there. Uh, hopefully more merchants spend than withdrawals. The other thing is it also establishes a remittance corridor. So, for example, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Singapore to India, uh, annual remittances are close to a billion dollars. Uh, typically, remittance has been a very painful thing. It costs, it's a huge number of, it's, yeah. it's a high cost. The turnaround time is not very efficient. The process is, you know, if it gets lost somewhere, it's very difficult yeah. for the originator to figure out whether the benefit. I think we are trying to establish a standard where we could work with these three, four corridors and make it very seamless. So imagine you sitting in Singapore yeah. or either on your mobile or you walk into ATM and just do a seamless transaction. So, so let's talk about this. I mean, I think, I think China has shown through China Union Pay that you know, they can really go against the global release and, and Master Visa, I think uh, China Union Pay is a good success story. JCB is a good success story. You talked about partnership with JCB. Do you foresee a day in the future uh, where, uh, you know, Rupee is at the same level, internationally accepted, well, uh, at par with these kinds of Master Visa, CUP, JCB kind of brands? So I, I, okay. So I think well, let's break it up into, uh, let's give it some context. Clearly from an India point, we are already there and probably higher than some of these guys that you just knew, right? So yes. at any point in time, uh, you in, could, I mean, rupee is number two in India now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So, yeah. so if you look at uh, merchant spends, POS, Ecom, we are clearly number two uh, established over the ATM. Obviously, we are like 99.999% uh, of the market. But in overseas spend also, we are right there, right? Yeah, but I mean, we certainly hope to, uh, you know, one day lead the scale of China Union Pay, but it's going to be a little more calibrated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what what you need to understand from a NPCI context is uh, Rupee and UPI go hand in glove, right? They, you know, so there are two different payment methods that will grow. So when I spoke about Rupee in these corridors, we basically look at UPI beam also in those corridors. Right? Correct. Correct. So we, China Union Pay is a great example, but if you look at China Union Pay and Alipay and VPay, Alipay, VPay is like, you know, it's yeah. like, it's not exactly an interoperable solution. Yeah. What we are doing is running an interoperable solution on the card side as well as the UPI side. Right. So I think we will gather that momentum in a slightly different way. Yeah. I think we, we, have have a, we have a better macro architecture, but scale is something will take time. Right. True. And I also believe that in our journey, uh, a lot of fintechs and startups will start playing a more pivotal role. 
compared to what has happened in China and India, right? Where it's very tightly controlled. I think what we will do is more of an enabling railroad, yeah. which will allow partners to come into. That's the UPR principle in the first place. So, so let's talk about maybe one more product. I know that you know. I think if I'm not mistaken, NPC probably has what? How many products? Twenty products? Or uh, no, we have roughly a dozen plus products. A dozen plus products. Okay. Um, and and by the way, I should, you should probably make a plug here that people should ask the banks for a rupee card if they don't have yeah, one. Of course, already, of course, right? I'm, I'm sure. I, I chose to sell there are a few hundred uh, people in this audience that you should probably encourage to. Yeah, I'm sure. enabled. <laughs> yeah, I think you should go and demand to your bank that you get a rupee credit card or a rupee debit card. I mean, I'm very clearly, I'm. Uh, and, uh, and it's not only about, you know, it's not only because it's a Desi card or a Swadesi product. I mean, it can be used globally. And some of these schemes, offers that we run, in fact, as we speak, uh, just recently, we were running some great offers with Big Bazaar and so many others. I think if you look at our catalog of reward and offers, I think it's much more than anyone else can offer. Yeah, even airport lounges. I know. Uh, airport lounges. I mean, it's a whole log. It's whether it's e-commerce shopping. I mean, if you look at the common, whether it's e-commerce shopping, large retailers, in fact, a few petrol pumps. I mean, there are yeah. lots for business. the consumers over there. Let's move out of uh, Rupee and get to the third one, which I want to cover. Um, I think the most exciting thing, uh, you referred to this little bit in passing in the beginning, is you know what's happening with the National Electronic Toll Collection System, uh, the highway system. I mean, you see signs of ICICI Bank fast tag lanes now uh, yeah. happening, right? Yeah. Could you talk about that and where does this take NPCI? Sure. So uh, the entire electronic toll collection, as we call it, right? I mean, you need to look at. It. I mean, all of us have got uh, caught in these jams at the toll nakas and uh, those kind of things, right? Uh, I mean, look at it two ways, right? It's not only a waste of your time and effort, uh, but look at the, you know, the fuel that is getting burned every time you're waiting uh, five minutes at this toll Naka, then the challenges of you not having change and so on and yeah. so forth, right? Obviously, the great idea, the grand idea over there is, can you just seamlessly pass through and helps uh, making it a very smooth flow of traffic, right? So as we speak, more than around uh, 750 national highways have adopted this already. Uh, the state highways are just now beginning. And uh, by the end of this financial year, we believe that a lot of states would come into play. So right now, what we see in terms of traffic is largely commercial vehicles, but you know, passenger vehicles, obviously na national highway passenger vehicles on a consistent basis are far lesser than state, but we'll see that happening. Uh, again, this is, you know, the way we have designed it, it allows for people to experiment and build use cases. So clearly it will extend to parking, for example, uh, you, know, with, you know, every time you go to park and, you know, with all these fines and chalans that are happening in the country, right? The new government uh, dictat of you know very heavy fines, and I believe, believe uh, parking is where most of us are offenders. At least I am at times. And finding a parking slot in a city like Bombay, Chennai, Hyderabad is difficult. Right? Even if you're going to the theater, the parking is full, malls, and those sort of things. So I think parking is uh, the next in line. Uh, but what I also believe is this will also allow a, a lot of new startups to come up and create solutions around this. Yeah. So for example, uh, you know, you know, if like. We, I mean, every second Sunday, me and my family visit, uh, you know, one of these uh, hyper malls where we pick up all these groceries and all those sort of things. You can imagine me, you know, completely burned out throughout the week, 10.30 in the morning, I'm driving with my kids. They are pretty excited. I'm not excited and we want to get to a mall. And finally, when we get there, uh, you know, finding a parking slot is so difficult. Yeah. And the worst thing in Bombay is if you don't find a parking slot and you just pass in and, hey, parking time that my kid will call a daddy daddy parking time. But I've missed it, I can't go reverse. So then I have to go around. And very often it straight takes me to the exit. So I again hit the high road and then come back, right? And it's like, you know, it is pretty aggravating. <laughs> yeah, true. And with my kids yelling behind and all. So I think, imagine this, right? I have an app. All these hyper malls have some kind of offers, coupons and all running on apps. Even in that app, based on geography, you know, GPS, it's pretty simple to Show do. Show me the parking spot. It, it just tells me beforehand, you know, it solves so much for me as an individual. It's like right? Google Maps for parking, uh, exactly, parking right? structures. And those APIs are available. The payment APIs are available. And I just get a request which I could pay later. Or, you know, there are so many solutions we could do around that. So those are some great, I think we picked three. I'm sure we could have, if we had time, we could pick many more products to talk about. But these three, I think, are representative of where uh, NPC is coming from, where it is today, and where it is going. I think in that sense, it covers that whole spectrum. Let's talk about deep tech. Um, as a deep talk series, you know, we're very curious as an audience to know more about uh, the impact of all these uh, deep technologies, AI, machine learning, uh, blockchain, cybersecurity, IoT, and I'm sure I'm missing half a dozen names already. So uh, I'm sure as an organization, NPCI, which is really building citizen scale, um, you know, operations across the country and then increasingly international as well, like you said. 
what is the role of AI in machine learning that you see that MPCI is perhaps already using or will use um, to solve some hard problems? So, you know, you know we need to understand uh, NPCI from a light. Uh, we are at the end of the day are a technology and a platform uh, entity, right? Uh, so technology in the heart of everything. We want to build platform because clearly we realize that in a country like India, if you really want to get to the citizen scale, we need to be an enabler, right? Yeah. So it's like Facebook and they are a platform and there are people building on that. And I believe that's where NPCI should get. So clearly we need to be very technology driven, right? As to how do we scale? How do we make our platform robust? How do we open it? So these are clear, clear key ingredients, design elements that uh, we need to keep looking at constantly and keep refreshing. AI uh, and machine learning obviously is extremely important because when you look at the, uh, we being a national uh, railroad, right? Uh, and and we work with multiple banks, as I said, like we work with more than 1,100 banks, if I'm not mistaken right now, right? And each bank has at a different stage of their journey as to how do they do risk management, how do they do fraud management score, and so on and so forth. So clearly, we felt there is a need that we need to be a centralized risk management, you know, enterprise solution sitting right on top of it, right? Sitting on top of the channel, sitting on sitting uh, parallel to the platform, and we keep trying to score uh, the transaction, right? Both from a you know, what are the odds of this good transaction being road or a fraudulent uh, transaction so that our consumers could sleep at home. So uh, again, AI plays a key role because, uh, you know, what it allows us to do is to learn from the data that we have. And I think the data that we generate is really huge. Allow and start predicting and trying to tell us that, hey, look, there is something out of pattern. And that out of pattern, we try to match to a lot of uh, an array of other variables which tell us, hey, is there a fraud pattern over here? Or is this something that we need to monitor more tighter? Right? So it's a self-adopting method that we have done. Uh, what we do over here is we've started a couple of models on scoring. It's really helping us. Uh, so scoring transactions or consumers? So actually, it's a mix of both. Uh, we, what we've done is uh, essentially right now it's running on a, a standalone channel. So it's transaction. The idea, since you asked me, is uh, because we have multiple products, can be aggregated at some other level. Can it be at a device level? Can it be at a geography level or a segment mm -hmm. level? And trying to roll up into a consumer level. But obviously, it has its own challenges. I, I, that would be the ideal though. So right now, what we are doing is we are taking the score and supplying it as an alternate score to select banks. I mean, to the banks who are participating, which is majority of them. And they, if they have their own scoring engine, this score and that score together combines and takes a decision on that transaction, right? And post whatever happens subsequently in case, you know, whether the decision is right or wrong, there's a feed loop that comes back. So we keep learning. But similarly, uh, there are some banks which are smaller and they've really not invested very heavily in their risk engines. What we do is run on behalf. So what I mean by that, based on banks' risk appetite, they set up some rules which are around velocity, et cetera, and all those kind of things. And they, you know, kind of tell, okay, this is the risk, uh, you know, up to this level, they are okay, and this is what they can manage. And then we kind of run it on their behalf. And then once we decision the transaction, position it back to them, right? So if a transaction comes and we realize that there is something suspect, it lies in an X score greater than X, then there will be a rule that, you know, you kind of reject the transaction, but you follow through by giving the information to the uh, bank. The way I see it, and, and help me understand this is true, uh, the way I see it is when you get to a billion transactions a day, even if, let's say, one in one lakh of those transactions uh, was a fraudulent transaction, that leave 10,000 transactions a day which are fraudulent. And there's no human way of solving this or catching true, this. True. And you don't want to be stopping the transaction to find out whether it's fraudulent or not. You want to detect it on the fly and prevent it on the fly if possible. True. Uh, nor do we want too many false positives, false negatives. So this whole thing seems to be like ripe for AI machine learning, deep learning, in fact, that your models have to get really good at saying that, you know, true. this is a transaction with a very high degree of certainty, it's a fraud, true. but we should have high confidence that that's not really a good transaction that is being stopped because then you have customer experience. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's always that balance between risk and a business opportunity, right? Uh, I mean, you need to think about all this from a customer experience. So if, uh, imagine you, I mean, as a customer, especially a new customer or any customer for the matter, he yeah. comes on to digital payments and uh, he's probably, you know, you take out his hard-earned money that customer is not coming back, right? Then imagine the other side of the coin that you know you have enough money in your bank account or you have enough worthiness and your transaction and it's generally you're doing it and uh, you know for some odd reason, the engine has uh, you know kind of blocked that transaction. And typically that happens in the country, right? Uh, most banks decide there is a velocity or they said in a day they will allow you to do two lakhs or 100,000 or whatever. Yeah, is, yeah. Right? But the question that I keep asking myself is then look, how are you judging is a limit? He already has much more than credit worthiness. Why are you saying that he will only spend this much in a day? So that's where, you know, the entire data, right? I mean, what is the category? Where is he spending? How is he spending? The entire learning is important. And I, I, look, 
I don't see any better way than using, uh, you know, AI than to solve for this problem. I yeah. So clearly, uh, AI is the way to go. We uh, we need to come up with different models for different segments, and I think right. that's where the uh, entire challenge would come. Uh, but that's how I, that's the only way we could, you know, balance this uh, risk versus business. Absolutely, it's a trade-off, like all yeah, good things in life. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about the other big, uh, you know, favorite technology that everybody is uh, intrigued by, confounded by, and talks about all the time, and that's blockchain and uh, distributed ledger technologies, DLT. Yeah. Um, I would assume that, uh, you know, in fact, I know for sure that, you know, I think 80% of the use cases that we see um, that are documented usually relate to fintech for blockchain. And so, in other words, fintech is the domain of blockchain, True. if True. one may use True. that term. So the domain for the bold, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 for the brave and the bold. Yes, correct. So what do you uh, what do you see as blockchain use cases for NPCI, and how does it directly relate to the customers? I mean, I always like to connect the solution back to the consumer. Sure. So somebody who's making payments on Google Pay or uh, any of the other tools uh, using UPI or whatever else, right? what is the role of blockchain in their transaction? Oh, but before we start, let me give a disclaimer. When I say blockchain, you know, a lot of people associate blockchain with bitcoins and, you know, currency. No, that's not so clearly, about. clearly, that's, that's not, not, uh, that's, not the goal, yeah. that's not where we are. You're a regulated entity. We have to be careful with you. It's true, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, uh, you know, I remember the first time we spoke about distributed ledger and I used the word blockchain back in uh, with a few of my colleagues and they were like hands off, like, you know, we're not talking about this. But anyway, coming back to the key thing, look, what do we, we need to understand wherever there is exchange of money, right? There are two parties, there are banks, banks, right? So there's money coming in, money going out. So banks are, you know, always in a situation of a plus and a minus. What I mean is, uh, suppose your customer goes to an X bank and you belong to Y bank, then this, uh, Y bank owes you money and vice versa, right? So at any point of time, the, this is a large ecosystem of multiple banks going on, right? So the uh, robustness of any system is uh, built around that there will be a guarantee of the settlement, that the monies will be exchanged in the right time in the right place, right? Uh, that's, you know, that's the crucial thing for this, this ecosystem to sustain itself. Now, making sure that the credit liquidity is there, the cash supply is there for that, right? requires a lot of funding it requires it, i mean it's cash lying idle in one way or the other the simple way to look at it and whenever cash is lying it's locked up cash it's locked up cash right and it's locked up so obviously it's losing value or there is a cost to it right so one thing uh, what we're trying to solve with the dlt see typically these cycles are on a long run right they could be t plus one or end of day right until that time your positions are open from a treasury point of view and so on and so forth what distributed ledger does by the way it works right where information is available at all nodes will allow all banks and all participating nodes to have all the possible information there and there. So the net of settlement could happen in a sense very locally over there, right? And uh, do that knockoff in every transaction. So what that will do is reduce this entire weight that we have on the uh, managing this uh, float or this liquidity, the locked up, it will free up, which means more efficiency. Look, uh, again, uh, in an economy, an emerging country like India, one of the key things is to bring down the cost of uh, payments, right? I mean, you can't force or you can't push people towards digital and get them to pay for it. I mean, that's not happening. Right? You really need to make the cost as minimal as uh, possible. This is a cost that contributes to that. You know, there's a proportion that it contributes. So I think this is one way we can uh, reduce it. Also, it makes the uh, it helps in the robustness of the ecosystem. Right? Imagine for some odd reason, one bank going kaboom. What it will do to the larger ecosystem. I think this, what it does, it it can arrest the situation much faster so, and earlier uh, than it's early warning system for absolutely. contagion. For contagion, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that's one. The second is what we again look. Any again, I keep saying this again and again. I mean, a payment system is as good as the trust that the citizens and the users have in it, right? Uh, today in India, and I'm sure all of you would have experienced it sometime. Whether you buy a ticket or you buy some groceries, I, I hope you're not. So you buy groceries, I mean, you, you shop something on one of these e-commerce place or whatever, it buy card, UPI or whatever, whatever payment instrument that you use. How often and when do you get the refund? Okay. It's dependent on bank to bank. You may get a refund in two days, you may get a refund in four days, you may get a refund in seven days. You really don't know when you're getting the refund. And that means you've been calling people, you've not got the product, you've not consumed the service, but you're out of money, right? And that, especially again, you know, uh, if you want to have the next 300 million Indian consumers adopt digital, if this is their first or second experience, they're not going to talk digital. Like most, uh, most of the time in Amazon transactions, this is the problem of, you know, refund returns, money getting back into your account. I think uh, when pay transactions, very common. 
in my personal experience amazon is one of the better ones, ones. Uh, yeah, it's sure. uh, definitely but then uh, people do more but there are lots to be done right and i think uh, you can't blame an individual entity it's the larger ecosystem how it uh, plays out i'm sure they would want to solve it as soon as possible right uh, but i mean said that i see this as one more solution to manage this life cycle we call it the life cycle management where whether it's a refund or a dispute or a charge back you know these are typical things that happen or a reversal handling i think again the information that is see what happens is uh, when there is a refund to be done or let, let's take an example charge back right you as the consumer go complain to your bank your bank will complain uh, through the network to the other bank the other bank will reach out to the merchant collect some information and push it back into this entire journey could take two days three days four days and really it goes out of hand right but if all the information is available at that same point that bank in itself could get the information and actually solve it within 10 minutes and if they can automate it actually it happens real time and this is not only for refund this is for disputes a lot of your disputes and chargeback i i from the study we did at least 90% of the chargeback and dispute could get resolved there and there sub 15 minutes so i see that also is a great value that it brings and the confidence it brings in the ecosystem see it's not only from a consumer point of view which yeah. is the most important thing but even today banks the quantum of money and the operational staff that is sitting behind a recon is massive massive in spite of all the automation what you realize is the good 10 to 12% at any point of time of all the transaction go into something what we call manual recon or mandrek in banks right where someone is judging and trying to course correct it and course correction always leave you know if you are the unlucky customer who gets left out in the on course correction you're doomed then your problem so we see these yeah. you know these two three are the you know the killer use cases that we are going so i think you made a couple of very interesting points that tnt technology uh, will actually help lower the friction lower the cost yeah. and increase yeah. overall hygiene and transparency of the system so we actually know that where the bad apples might be or where they might be coming from true true yeah. well, well let me so you know what we are doing is uh, you know we are trying to do a poc as well as a pot right so one is uh, with our volumes it's very important that we test scalability and the volume and tps it can handle right so one of the benchmarks that i have given to the team is that was bare minimum we have to try 10000 tps and i don't think there are many use cases that exist in real world where it has been stretched to that uh, you know it's i think 5x of what the real world has ever seen so that's one so we want to test uh, the uh, technology piece also uh, and obviously the use cases the business flows you know and third we also need to look at uh, from a cost element point of view right so while i said we can reduce the opex what does it do to your overall capex right, right. you don't want that you know today a transaction at the operating level is costing me say hypothetically one paise i don't want it to go exponentially higher right, right. Uh, it has to be balanced so couple of quick questions before we start going to the audience um so the one thing that intrigues me uh, quite a bit is that you know india is being it's kind of a you know people say india is a very interesting country because the head lives in the 21st century the tail lives in the 19th century and every century is covered in between by the way the people and the markets behave right so on one side we have sophisticated users like we have here uh, in the session who are doing 5 6 7 digital transactions a day payment wise and there are people who have never done one they might be doing the first one today or tomorrow and you talked about the fact that first time second time user having a bad experience is actually a lost case and that doesn't help the cause of inclusion so talk about inclusion uh, how do we create digital payment inclusion so that we bring more and more people into the system quickly because the whole aspiration of a less cash society lies in bringing more people who are today using cash so that more they start using more digital yeah so what's the npci role in inclusion in bringing more people on board yeah yeah so look see uh, look npci you know one side is a lot of innovation that we want to do and stay ahead of the curve but clearly what india needs is someone to reach what we say the you know uh unincorporated or the unorganized sector i think there is a very clear need to bring them into the digital uh, fold right and i believe that uh, in this journey of ours uh, two of our products clearly i think there are more than two but clearly two products is what i call the infinity stone right these are the stones that would help us to you know uh, beat thanos and in this case uh, cash which is upi and uh, aps the bc uh, other enabled yeah. other enabled uh, payment uh, system right Because what that it does is, you know, the, uh, the branch distribution is limited. Uh, very simply, you can get people enrolled with the right kind of validation, and you can make this payment enabled to them on a doorstep or at the panchayat or wherever they are sitting over there. See, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of attention given to the, you know, the organized sector and what's happening in e-commerce and those kind of things. But I firmly believe that, you know, India at the end of the day, if you look at our economy, I think the contribution of what we call unorganized yeah. is uh, roughly what 70 percent higher. Yeah. Right? and i think those are the ones which we really need to go and uh, solve for right, right. and uh, i think 
those need to be solved in a very different way than you solve the other, right? Obviously, there you cannot have a, a you cannot have capital and infrastructure intensive because that's going to be very difficult, right? The other thing is while we have the consumer side, there needs to be enough work done on the merchant side, the SME side, right? So you've created the demand, but you also need to have the supply and that needs to be balanced. So clearly on the supply side, I think India, and I mean, if you compare this to China, where QR code has really taken off in a big way, uh, in fact, uh, you know, in some of the places, uh, the government is thinking of coming out with a mandate, already has come out with a mandate saying that, look, you cannot refuse cash. That is the state of affairs over there. And look at it where we are. Uh, I mean, if you go to, uh, if you have a familiar with Bombay and you go to the junction of Churchgate and VT, there are these, and these guys have been doing business, I think, for the last, at least I remember last 20 years, maybe they've been doing business actually. Maybe, yeah. And there are these guys who sell, you know, there are these books uh, which are available over there, you know, I mean, uh, best of the books are available, they're different genre, different topics, all those kind of things, right? And they sell, you know, they actually, they actually run a rental also. They recognize you and they run a rental. You could buy a book, you could come back after one year, he has a code and all those kind of things. Now, my question is that how do we make him deliver? What could we do? Can I use a QR code over there? Can I give him a very simple QR code to make the payment? I think those are the use cases that we need to really uh, solve for, right? Uh, for example, your uh, Ola cab drivers, the Uber cab drivers, right? How do we get them into the digital journey? It need not necessarily mean that every time you look at, you know, the deepest of India, but I think there's a lot of urban India also. Yeah. I'm not saying we should ignore them. I think both have to go hand in glove. But there's a lot of urban India also, which is unattended and not in the digital world, right? Especially these, I mean, how do, most of these cab drivers, again, in the, again, I'm just taking the example of Bombay because that's where I spent most of my life. You go to Baikala or you go to Bandra East, there is a taxi man colony. So there are a whole bunch of taxi guys, uh, cabby guys uh, staying over there and they need to send their money back to their hometown, which is largely maybe Uttar Pradesh, Muzaffarnagar or wherever those places are, right? How are they transferring the money, right? Are they yet going, uh, you know, they're going to someone who, you know, they, I heard that every two or 3,000 rupees they transfer, they pay someone on 300 rupees. Yeah. Can we not use the digital way to do that? So I think there are a lot of efforts we are trying to do. Uh, there's much more to be done. But clearly, there has to be enough focus. In fact, a lot of our innovation team is now trying to solve for these kinds of problems. I'm told, I mean, in fact, I think you told me the story earlier that uh, one of your favorite use cases is how to get, have bada pao sellers oh, yeah, in yeah, small yeah. towns uh, accept yeah. digital payments. Have you True. solved that yet? Uh, so we believe we have, but the merchant doesn't believe so. So <laughs> we need to get. No, like, I, I'll tell you what. So the other day, you know, and I, I you know, there is this Setu Vada Pao in Karjat, pretty famous. Again, uh, Karjat is not very far from Bombay, right? So if you stop in the, the main Karjat junction and ask anyone, and there are a lot of Vada Pao stalls over there. You ask any local Vada Pao, you can speak in Hindi, Marathi, they understand both. He'll say Setu Vada Pao. And if you go to Setu Vada Pao, it's behind a small house, okay? I, I think he's got eight or nine people working for him. You can make out, right? An average guy is buying five or six Vada Pao. And look at that ecosystem running over there. I really didn't ask him, you know, because I, I didn't want to offend him. I generally had a very small chat with him, but I think this guy does business worth of two, three thousand rupees at least, right? He sells a vada pav over fifteen bucks. If I'm not, um, I didn't pay someone else paid, so I really don't know the actual amount. But it's not only about the consumer paying him. He's got his workers, his helpers, and these guys. The model that they run on is, you know, one is a fixed labor day, the other is on a monthly salary, and there are some who are on this incentive because the guy who's right. taking the plate and all that. Now, how are those? So, like, one is the consumer paying him. Then is how is he paying his staff? And then how is he paying his supplies? And how are those guys sending money back home? Those guys are sending money back home, right? I think those are the use cases that we need to go behind. And I believe that, you know, I think that's where this entire effort to engage more and more of the young India, the startup India, I think eventually solving for their use cases. I mean, can you imagine we go there and give him an, a merchant app, which is in English, right? No, I mean, this no. guy, I mean, not to happen. Right, right. I mean, you look at, I mean, how many apps have you seen which are not English-based? Very few. And India is not only English-based, we have so many languages, right? It's not only about English, Hindi, and there is Marathi, there is Tamil, and there are so many languages. For example, in Bheem, one of the first things that we did is we support uh, more than uh, nine languages already, right? And again, we are not very happy with it. We want to make sure that in the next four or five months, we go to 20, right? And then, uh, and from there, more and on, because, you know, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, if you look at India, from a demographic point of view, it's like a million communities, a thousand each is the way to define it. How do we, you know, cater to these micro segments, give them the right language options, and why only language, right? Can we not have something very intuitive? Yeah. 
voice, kind of voice or you know gesture gesture yeah. and so many other things yeah, yeah, of course there will be a question whether they have the handset or no but i think uh, the internet problem uh, we'll let someone else yeah. i promise my last question to you before we go to the audience uh, who's who are very patiently waiting uh, so this question is around uh, you've been referring to startups along the way and i know that uh, you know startup the ecosystem uh, wants to participate in the ntci platform story and now npc i think in terms of how to integrate fintech startups around its periphery edges trying to bring them into the ecosystem and i know that you're doing a lot of work in trying to create a interoperable platform with fintechs that want to uh, fintech startups so tell us maybe tell the audience a little bit about the kind of initiatives that you've started to run uh, to help fintech startups come on board and become part of the bigger success story of npc and india so but let me tell you very clearly we believe at least uh, you know the, at npci that we have not done enough engagement with startups right so clearly we are stepping on the yeah, no, i think i think we agree with that so i think the question then is that you know how do we speed it up yeah. so uh, what we have done is uh, we've actually started off with uh, upi and a couple of other areas like tokenization so that enables internet of things and you know those kind of use cases uh, we've started uh, you know we created a api uh, you know api accelerator in a sort when we are exposing the what we realize is there are a lot of startups who want to try to do a lot of different use cases uh, they do not have access to the actual bank apis and those kind of things and but they have a good understanding of a upi they have enough material so we are giving them these apis not only the apis they are kind of you know offline consulting with them uh, helping them to create the right product because very often these people have these questions you know Oh, how about the PPI rule guideline? They don't have the right reference points, right? In fact, uh, not only is this API accelerator, uh, what we also do is trying to create a co-working space. So again, imagine there is, uh, you know, these bunch of uh, very young guys. In fact, it happened with me in very remote corner of India. Smart dudes, they really understand technology very well, but they do not have the capital to really, and they don't have place at home to really work from. You know, they're staying in small places. So what we are saying is, can we have a small place where we call nothing very fancy, yeah. where some of our guys are sitting, some of these guys can come, you know, we could kind of co-create yeah. and help them to go through. So that's an initiative we have taken. Parallelly, we started running very theme-based hackathons, right? Uh, the hackathons we are trying to run is genuine business problems that we see for ourselves or in society and try to solve for that. Like uh, one of the examples that I was talking to you earlier uh, was about the language, right? Uh, I mean, can we break this language barrier and have an app which is only based on gestures, right? I don't know whether it would work or no, but that's where that's a perfect use. place to do a hackathon. Right? Exactly right. How could we balance? Uh, in, you know, for example, pin pin is easy for people like you and me to understand and read. But uh, you know, how does a guy in a village does he remember numbers in English? And even if he remembers, did he just remember the first two digits or you know the sort of thing? So we are trying to see how we could solve for that. But a whole lot of effort going over there. I think you'll hear much from us, and uh, we'll really. I mean, we've just started the process, but I think by this financial year end, we should be there. Fantastic. So let's start the next phase, which is uh, interacting with the audience. We have uh, a bunch of people lined up on voice uh, to to sure. have questions for you, Arif. So I hope you are geared up and well belted. Sure. Uh, the first person who's going to ask a question is Vivek Singh, uh, who's been waiting. So let's have Vivek come online. Uh, hi, sir. Can you hear hear me? Yes, we can. Please go ahead, Vivek. Right. Oh, thank you, Shantani and Alsaf. Uh, let me thank you for the this great initiative because we have been thinking about it for a long time and we have put in our various feedbacks as well. So thank you so much for that. Uh, so my I have two particular questions. Uh, one is working on this international payment acceptance, and Alsaf's background will also help us support because I have just recently experienced that I wanted to exp uh, you know accept. About uh, 1100 USD currency from UK, for which you can currently either go by a PayPal account or Razor Pay has also come up with a new solution uh, for a link-based solution. And uh, you know, but the charges is roughly about three percent. The enrollment processes for the companies are roughly about three or days, and then the settlement cycle is also roughly about four to five days. Now this makes it really cumbersome. How we, uh, you know, how we can look at something like Rupee? can help us you know solution you know give a solution on this platform and second question is around the uh, ncmc the point you raised about fast tags how we can pick up uh, and look at the solutions like ncmc card wherein we can engage it with the various state governments parking system malls etc wherein this can be a one stop solution uh, for various needs of the individuals 
All right, Vivek, you've done your homework really well. Yeah. I think asked two really brilliant questions. So I'll let Arif handle both if you have time. Yeah, perfect. Or... Our use cases are built on this, right? Now. Sorry, go ahead. So uh, look, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, international payments has always been a challenge for the country, right? Uh, but having said that, uh, we also need to understand and appreciate that whenever there's an international transaction because of the currency exchange, there is a risk associated with the currency. Generally, the transaction tends to be a little more expensive. Uh, but if you're working with the razor pay, I would say good choice. Uh, not bad. You should negotiate a little harder with them. Be. You're plugging your former company. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you should. But yeah, we are certainly working on that. It's uh, we are. Uh, when I spoke about the remittance and international uh, corridor, uh, this is among the use cases that we are trying to solve uh, right now. It may not necessarily solve uh, for the country you specifically mentioned right now, but in the long run, that, yes, we will uh, get there. So clearly, that's a use case uh, we are working on. I think uh, we need to make sure that uh, we can, especially Indian, uh, you know, uh, we got this request from a lot of handicraft guys uh, where, you know, they export I stuff. Think, but PayPal has been dominating this market. From yeah, PayPal, I, but I think we didn't have time to talk about this, but I know that you guys are really planning for international money transfer as a major use case, which yeah. we didn't have time to cover. Sure. But I think Vivek could be reassured by your statement that yeah. Rupee yeah. is going to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Rupai. Do you want to talk about NCMC just very briefly because I have a lot of people waiting. So, so uh, look, NCMC, again, if you look at it from a, and I am for sure the benefit of everyone, NCMC stands for, please tell them. <laughs> so it's a national uh, common mobility uh, card. Essentially, uh, it's a standard that NPC has said it's EMB yeah. compliant and all. In a very layman language, what it does, it allows you on the same uh, framework and the standard have multiple products, right? So you can have you can have offline, online, you can have a wallet, you can have a prepaid, all combined in one. I think you picked up the use case with the same NCMC card you could use in a, you, you could use a decom computer, you use it, parking, and you can do yeah. that. So yes, there are a lot, and I'm uh, sooner than later actually we'll be having a hackathon on that in case you're in the, one of the interested parties, you could really uh, come up with ideas over there. Right. Okay, so we go to the next question. Thank you, Vivek, for the question. Now, next question goes to Riti Chatterjee. And um, Riti, you can go ahead. I think you're enabled. Yeah, thank you, sir. So it's such a wonderful session. And um, can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can. Please go ahead. Yes. So my question was on the data analytics platform, and especially looking at you know how to really win the buck, who is going to pay for whatever applications we are actually going to bring in. We understand the consumers will not be able to because we are uh, we have to incentivize them with digital. But where can we really uh, look at to work on? So uh, what 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 would you be offering to us from the analytics point of view? Can we explore? Can we get some data to explore and understand what's the real application that's going to help apart from just understanding the landscape yeah. and where does the buck like okay so i think i understood the question i'll, I'll retranslate that for you uh, maybe that'll help you yeah. uh, so thank you for the question uh, riti we're going to mute you back so that we can have this conversation here so um, i think the question is around saying that you know data analytics as a field is you know just enormous and i think it obviously feeds into ai machine learning in direct ways um, so what are some of the clear use cases where people who specialize in data sciences, data analytics, business analytics can bring their skill set and capabilities to work on interesting use cases for NPCI? So that's my takeaway of the question. Could you show? So, uh, okay, let me uh, let me try and answer it uh, slightly yeah. differently and then we'll come back. Sure. To it, right? See, one of the reasons I, I, for us, AI, uh, right now, we are tagging it to helping the entire fraud management and the risk management, right? And there clearly it will pay for itself. Yeah. Because if the, every penny and dollar that you save in the cost of the transaction, the life cycle, the effort will pay for itself. So we don't yeah. expect the com uh, consumers on the larger ecosystem are paying for it. Anyway, as I mentioned right at the start, NPC has a section 25 company. So, uh, you know, that I, I think that's balanced, right? Uh, again, uh, I, I think the question, if it's related, how do we reach out to the ecosystem and how, you know, experts could help us? I think you could uh, write to us if you have some ideas. We can figure out a way to engage you and uh, you know uh, uh, see if you have some inputs and uh, do something. So my suggestion, Arif, is that maybe we can enable people to write in in the interesting hackathons. And I sure. think just plugging this whole community of people participating into the hackathon calendar yeah. over yeah. the next few months and years yeah. would I think give them a lot of yeah, of course, of course. But I'm saying, uh, look, uh, you know. Uh, uh, we don't need to necessarily wait for the hackathon. Uh, we could connect offline and we yeah. could uh, do some interesting stuff. We work a lot with the community otherwise. Right? So we'll offer a platform after this to people to write in uh, and then we'll connect them to uh, RF. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go to the next question now. Uh, it's Rana Biswas. Rana, good to hear from you. I think you are enabled. Go ahead. Rana, can you hear us? You might be on mute, Rana. Just check your own local. 
can we combine those two flow and do it in the same app answer is yes right? so there are different ways to look the at it popcorn is already included so why not the parking yeah exactly so the parking could be included and the good part is that the parking owner and the fees goes to somebody else so we could then do you know you could use imps you could use upi you could distribute the payments and all those things so just as an example yeah. i think what we are trying to do is allow people to orchestrate multiple flows right and then allow them to think we are not saying we can think for everybody but i think the smart guys on the edge are you know yeah. they are the ones who are really thinking and creating see i have i have another take on this which complements what you said um, to the question that was asked um, so if you think of it you know in, in about two and a half years it's gone from 1 million transactions a month to 1 billion that's a 1000x growth in transactions in a month to go from 1 billion a month which is the current month to uh, maybe in two years time to 1 billion uh, a day is a 30x growth so in some sense the heavy lifting has begun to happen to the point where the momentum will carry it true in fact all we will see is a deepening of the transactions at each person who's already digitally enabled true. the kind of like so we are doing five transactions maybe 25 transactions a day eventually your milk bill your paper bill everything goes into digital just start thinking about a family and its bills uh, and on the other side i think more people come in uh, from an inclusion perspective so if you take two i think 30x doesn't seem that big a challenge does it i, I hope my boss doesn't hear that but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day, what you're saying is a network effect, right? I mean, if you solve for a particular thing, right? I mean, say if if we are able to convince, say this example, this Bada Pav guy that was speaking about Setu in Karja, I'm quite sure that in and around that market, that it will, you know, uh, he'll be the he'll be a promoter, right? I mean, that's what happened in Africa with the M-Pesa thing, right? One person gets trained, then he, you know, and. Uh, Again, uh, viral, like yeah, there's a viral effect of that, right? And hopefully, we make sure that we catch hold of these influencers and get them the right solution, right? And they help us. I mean, it also helps to educate customers in a significant uh, way, right? So, the, I think virality is important, and that's why when I spoke about cab, right, the Ola guy, Uber guy, it creates an entire downstream, right? Not only they receiving money in the, uh, you know, in digital, but they are distributing money in digital. Yeah. So it's a, you know, impact that we can come to the cycle. Okay. So last question for the people calling in. Uh, we have long, long queue of questions, but I'm sure. sorry we have limited time. So we we'll take a question from Pooja Soni. Uh, Pooja, please go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, sir. So I have. Uh, I'm pretty intrigued by the whole uh, blockchain concept. Uh, the only thing is, I'm a chartered accountant, and I've also pursued law, and I don't really have. You no, know, I'm not really I'm coding for myself. So I want to get into this, and I just want to know, like, how large are the options for me when I get into blockchain? So can you throw some light on that, please? Thank you. And I'll broaden this question for her, for you because I've been hearing this from chartered accountants and lawyers, uh, uh, company secretaries. Everybody believes that their lives will be upended in the future by blockchain. People don't know when the future is, but they know it's going to happen. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, are are, are people with these professional skills uh, of value to NPCI or or value to the overall ecosystem in fintech? Yeah. I mean. I mean, putting the chartered accountant in the context is a little difficult for me because I focus more on payments and technology. But I think uh, I don't think blockchain disrupts the uh, you know the the need for I mean professionals to uh, be there, right? I think what is doing is simplifying the technology layers and enabling data to be at one point. I think if anything, if there is a chartered accountant or a lawyer sitting at the edge, it will empower him with that much more information, continuity, and and making sure that this information is absolutely accurately correct and certified in a single go so probably help him to execute uh, is what i would guess would be better to your right? own example faster audits simpler yes, audits yeah and we all get audits done in two days and not two months right yeah but if i'm wearing a ca or a professional hat i'm saying if it's faster and simpler will i get paid for it i think that's the worry billing is an issue yeah, yeah. billing could be an issue yeah. but then you'll have so many more customers coming in right i mean uh, so maybe that would help so uh, clearly not a clear answer but yeah. Okay, that was a great set of questions on voice. I think it's time to switch to the chat questions that are coming in pretty fast, thick and fast. I think I am already out of time, but maybe we'll spend five minutes sure. uh, on a few chat questions we can handpick. Um, so I would say that uh, you know maybe we'll take this question uh, from Majid, who says that why is Rupee doing poorly in comparison to Master and Visa? And I think this is your chance to brag and showcase that that is not true. I think right. I know this guy, by the way. Okay, but that's no, probably, but clearly he's not. He's baiting you. No, no, I'm also <laughs> going to call him up and go and clarify that. But clearly that's uh, not true. Okay, I, I think uh, maybe we suffer from perception, and uh, obviously uh, it it seems to be clearly the perception and what the brand building others have done. Kudos yeah. to them. 
but yeah but managed to be uh, uh, to tell you uh, as of right now we are the second largest in terms of uh, the card uh, issue i mean in issuance obviously we are the highest but in terms of spend and value which really uh, is the one important parameter to validate we are already the second uh, largest and i'm very reasonably confident that in the next 12 to 14 months we'll be hitting the number one i mean we'll i mean we already giving them a run for their money i hope you are using a rupee card that could be helpful Okay, you're starting to sell your products in this session. Very nice. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'll take another question that uh, struck me as interesting. I'm picking only the ones which I think are somewhat controversial, right? So that'll be yeah, close for the ease of uh, everybody will like it. I'm sure. So Sai Devarakonda makes a point saying that uh, I'm sorry, did I get the right one? Um, yeah, he makes the point that if Bhim is so successful, why are Google Pay, Paytm, Phone Pay, etc., become popular? I think you should position Bhim correctly in the minds of people. I think people have a view that Bhim is competing with them, which I believe is not true. Yeah. No, uh, well, yes and no. Okay, so uh, look, Beam in my mind is more of an anchor app and a catalyst app, right? Uh, I look at it as my silver bullet to be among there, right? The moment someone in the market goes slow, we will launch, relaunch Beam. But having said that, yes, I think a Beam uh, in the last uh, six, seven months has not grown in the same manner that others have grown. While it has grown, but it's not grown in the same proportions. Uh, we acknowledge that. Uh, but what we need to understand is that with Beam, the objective is far broader from a country. Like I talk, spoke about 12 languages becoming 20 languages and so on and so forth. So some of that takes a little more time and calibration. But having said that, we are clearly on that mission and you will see these new... In fact, the government has already announced uh, the revamp of Beam, right, in the coming two months and so on. So yes, uh, we will uh, look at more features, more usability, a better experience coming on to uh, Beam. I think there is another angle to theme which people might benefit from. I'll just add that because you know, I've been involved in this journey for a while. Uh, so if you look at how Beam came into being, it came after demonetization, and Beam was always positioned not as a commercial commercial app, uh, not a consumer app. Uh, it was positioned as a reference app. So it's like when Google says we're launching the next version of Android, they send out a Pixel phone or earlier a Nexus phone. It was meant to show to the world that this is what the new version of Android can do. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore, it became a reference implementation for other phone makers to come and produce really commercially successful products. The goal for Beam, from NPCI perspective, the way I see it and the way I understand it, is not meant to be a commercially competing product with these guys. It's meant to be two things. A reference implementation of the next version of UPI or next version of whatever next is coming from NPCI. And a simple man, a common man's app, yeah. which can be uncluttered, yeah. not complicated, very simple implementation that can be used by common man. And especially with the smaller banks, which don't have the technology investments to build big yeah. things. So like big tech can build Google Pay, you know, uh, ICC Bank can build a great uh, UPI yeah. app. Yeah. But yeah. how does this bank of, uh, you know, Southwestern Maharashtra build an app, right? Great, they they great, have great. to use Beam. A, a great point, right? You know, so look, clearly Beam is an anchor app. Uh, but having said that, the Anchor app also needs to keep up with its hand, and that's what we will uh, do. But if you look at the customer bifurcation, right, and uh, the uh, apps that uh, he just mentioned, and if you look at the top 20% of the banks, 90% of their customers come from there. But if you look at Beam, the distribution is far more even, right? So if you look at the 70, 80% of the banks or the what you call the tier two banks, you'll find a lot of those customers coming. So yeah, proportionally in terms of numbers, it's lesser. But in the, if you look at the uh, the... If, if you look at the combination of the bank, the broader spectrum of banks, obviously Beam is big. But having said that, I think we need to acknowledge that there is a lot more work to be done over there. And that work is on. And hopefully in the next two, three months, you'll see much more powerful and much more smarter app coming in with a few more languages. So on that note, I'll probably take one or maybe maximum two more questions. So one sure. question that I see from Atul Dixit, which is that, you know, how does the agriculture sector benefit, uh, you know, which is the big use of cash, right? I mean, in terms of uh, farmers and purchasing and all of that. Uh, is NPCI doing anything in this field at all with agricultural applications? Sure. So both directly and indirectly. Uh, so look, you need to understand the entire first, the entire farmer subsidy, etc. You know, the entire uh, the central distribution of uh, subsidies and dole is actually getting distributed through NPCI. So the LPG that we spoke about and a lot of these schemes that the government coming up where you know there is some subsidy going to the farmers in the form of whether it's for fertilizers or something else, etc. That is going to the NPCI system. And as we speak, more and more central and state governments are adopting it. What it does is, you know, there has been a study where any subsidy from the center going to the end uh, benefit, beneficially, there is a leakage of around 20 to 25%. That's one. 
B, uh, very often, uh, you know, it, it reaches them within seven days, 10 days, 20 days, 30 days. You're not even sure in the reconciliation. What we have done is created a system where it reaches very effectively, very efficiently, and it reaches the person it was, uh, the objective was. So we've done a lot of stuff over there. The other side is, I don't know if you've heard about Pungrain, Marfed, you know. Essentially, these are, you know, if you go to parts of, uh, if you go to Punjab, which is huge for uh, rice and wheat granaries, the entire procurement is actually enabled by a rupee card. So the farmer picks up uh, the arathia, if I'm getting it right, picks up from the farmer, gives it to the market. The entire process has been automated uh, using a rupee product on the issuing and the acquiring side. The important part of this is the farmer now gets his uh, credit in his account. I think earlier it was between seven to nine days and now he gets the credit within uh, two working days. I think now it's become one uh, working day, right? And also very often, 90% of the farmers are getting in seven to nine days. There were lost, there were some lost in transition going to dispute. Now you have almost zero dispute over here. So there is a lot of work uh, going on over there. It's not spoken about, you know, it's not the glamorous part of the work. Yeah. But clearly for NPCI, it's one of our pillars because we want to go there, we want to serve those uh, consumers. Yeah, and I think if you think of it that way, when it gets to a billion transactions a day in the in the two years from now that we talked about, um, that's about every Indian doing it, at least one transaction every day, correct? Yeah, sure. And I'm not even counting the kids. I mean, the kids are included. Yeah, so they want to do two a day. <laughs> two a day, perhaps. Collect money from parents, like you said. True, true, true. All right. I think we are done here. Uh, we've had a great session, Arif. Thanks to you. Thanks, uh, we ran over a little bit, but I think for the first edition, that's not bad. And I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come over, spend time with us, and, and really answering some great questions and also sharing so much light into the inner workings of NPCI, which people hear about but don't know much about. So thank you very much. And I also like to thank the audience for being such a wonderful audience. I think uh, we just got some fabulous questions and um, would love to you know, continue this in the future. Uh, we will have a lot more, uh, uh, for the audience, let me tell you, this will happen every month, this kind of a deep tech, uh, deep talk session. And uh, I'm sure we'll find people who are hopefully almost as good as you, you are. find me in the audience for sure. Yeah, all right, wonderful. And definitely welcome back again in the future at some point when you have NPCI 3.0 to talk about. Sure. Thank you very much, guys. We'll Thank sign you. out now. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you.